Hi everyone, Gareth here. Just to let you know that if you'd like to support the production of the Music Room podcast, you can. Just head to musicroompodcast.uk slash support or click the link in the show notes. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to the Music Room. This week in the music room. I'll do everything as live as I, I can. Even if it's in my room, I have mics set up all the time, stuff lying around all the time. Uh, you know, I, you can see some stuff in the background, but literally in the hallway, in our in our hallway at home, it's just full of instruments. I, every day I say to my wife, I'm really sorry, I'll keep it, I'll put it somewhere. Hello, music groomers, and welcome to another episode of the Music Room podcast, the show where I chat with composers, songwriters and musicians about what they're up to before going back in time to find out how it all began. Actually, I say I, but if you go back an episode, composer, singer, songwriter and musician Charlotte Hatherley, yes, the Charlotte Hatherley, guest hosted and had a brilliant chat with composer Carly Paradis, who on top of scoring things like Line of Duty and The Rising has toured with Clint Mansell and Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Well worth a listen, that. You can hear it right there in your podcast app or at musicroompodcast.uk. In this episode, you're going to hear from a wonderfully inventive UK-based composer, Alex Baranowski, who's worked on everything from the BBC2 iDents and the hit BBC1 comedy Staged with David Tennant and Michael Sheen to the delightful BAFTA-nominated The Windermere Children for Walter Wall and Warner Brothers. I'll introduce him properly in a bit, but rest assured, it's a great listen. So, to music stories. Apple has picked up the worldwide rights to Flora and Son, John Carney's musical ode to motherhood that features a breakthrough performance by Eve Hewson. The movie is Carney's first since his 2016 sensation Sing Street, remember that, which also premiered at Sundance. And just like Sing Street, it too features original songs by Carney and his frequent collaborator and music room guest Gary Clark. Next, I asked the Music Room group on Facebook to share some quick tips with their fellow music roomers. Uh, Janet Overfield says, how to make your cello or viola sound like it isn't in a toilet. (laughs) Gently wide dip at around 2.5 to 3.5k and gentle wide boost at around 250 to 400 hertz. Someone here could have probably told me that if I'd asked, but working it out slowly for myself this week was quite satisfying. That's great. Nice little tip, Janet. Uh, Mike Langley, you can make a banjo out of an acoustic guitar by sticking a balloon inside and inflating it till it touches the strings. Play with caution. There you go. What a great tip if you don't have a banjo. Reuben Cornell, dip your master at 500 hertz to make it sound more open. Again, very easy. Very simple, very effective. Thanks, Ruben. Brolly, Brolly man, this week's tip for me is try harder. Uh, we can all do that, can't we, Brolly? Uh, as a motivational device, I've bought a page-to-a-day diary and log everything I do in it. At the end of the day, I think, ooh, I've done four hours guitar practice today and then realise I've been awake for 12. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Joe Gendel says, play from the heart and don't be afraid to hold notes outside of the timings as I'm finding this is sounding more raw and emotive this week. That's absolutely spot on, Joe. Yes, it's very easy to rely on the quantize button, isn't it? But it's much better to play from the heart, isn't it? Absolutely. 
Robin Schlochtemeyer says, make rules, then break them. Wow, great little tip that I don't usually like using presets, but made a point of using some Arturia ones this week. Freshen things up no end. Why not? Fantastic tips, everyone. Thank you so much for those. Alex Baranowski is a composer based in London. He recently scored eight-part series Rain Dogs, releasing this year, and his ballet Legacy Variations with choreographer David Dawson premiered at the Dutch National Ballet in December of last year. Recent film scores include A Gaza Weekend, directed by Oscar-nominated Basil Khalil for Film 4, releasing in 2023, and Ruth Wilson and Jude Law produced True Things as well as three series of hit BBC One comedy Staged, starring David Tennant and Michael Sheen, BAFTA nominated The Windermere Children for Walter Wall and Warner Brothers, and Burial, a World War II drama for Altitude film, starring Harriet Walter. Let's find out how it all began for Alex, and stick around as he'll be leaving an item and a piece of advice for you to find. Alex Baranowski, composer, welcome to the Music Room. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you very much for asking me to come on i enjoy your podcast very much oh that's always nice to hear always nice to hear (laughs) how are you today and uh what have you got going on very good very good um well i'm chatting to you you know it's lovely um (laughs) very good how about yourself (laughs) Mm. well i am probably two-thirds of the way through a kid series at the moment based on the wind in the willows which is lovely lovely really enjoying that um so i will be straight back to that once we (laughs) we've uh, we've done and you know it's that typical mid-series um once everyone's happy with what they're doing then it it really becomes a a kind of a production line doesn't it of Mm. this comes to me then goes back to notes comes back and on to post-production and i like that rhythm i like that rhythm when you sort of you've got themes you've got ideas you know what you're doing you still want to sort of do try and do new things yeah it's lovely yeah and it does become if it's well oiled it does become a, an opportunity to really hone in on little bits as well. Mm, um, yeah. I had some extra little notes, some fine notes this morning. Um, <laughs> and the director actually wrote to me and said, I'm so sorry because I previously said I was happy with this episode, but yeah. I've just noticed this, this and this. And I had to say to him, it's, you know, it's fine. It's part of the process. You know? It shows the director's got a love for it. It's not just sort of, especially with music. Sometimes you find yeah. people just going, "Oh, do you need to whack that on, put this on, if that's it." But actually, it's it's nice for people. I, I I feel I find that really lucky when people actually want to very want much to spend so. time and crafty because that's what we want to do. We want to make the yeah. best thing we can make, right? That's absolutely yeah, very much that's what we do. Uh, speaking of which, I had a cuppa with the music room Facebook group this morning, mm-hmm. and I mentioned that we were meeting and chatting and so they have a couple of questions for you if you don't mind of course so reuben cornell he says hi asks uh, hi reuben <laughs> it's like a like a saturday morning phone in isn't it <laughs> oh, Ruben's lovely. yeah uh how does your writing process work with surround sound in a theater environment because you've done theater work haven't you? you've done oh wow we're getting we're getting recently. right stuck into the nitty-gritty we, we are, right? yeah straight in at the deep end um well i'm i'm I guess to give a bit of background, I'm, I'm very lucky that I do I work in various bits of film and theatre and dance and adverts and working. With, so and, and theatre is a thing that she started it all off. When I first got moved to London, the first thing I did was meet with some composers. And I, I met this lovely, um, lovely composer called Adrian Sutton, who gave me an assistant role at uh, the National Theatre on the South Bank. 
um, just literally just doing copying of scores for Sibelius and things like that. And I adored every second of being in that building. It was just sort of, it was just this, having been in this room on my own, desperately trying to find work, get a job, do a show, and then meeting these amazing people in this incredible room. Um, and I learned about theatre. And I, this wonderful thing of theatre is where you can, it's not like we're working on a film or a TV. Like You can put a speaker wherever you want and you can make a sound come out of it whenever you want. And it's amazing. Um, so, so to write, yeah, so the answer to Ruben's question, surround sound. Yeah, I, I'm obsessed with it. I love it. I've hidden speakers under seats in theatres and put them in roofs <laughs> and put them in corridors and put them behind stages, above the stages, outside, on stage, hidden. Um, so you can put them anywhere and it's wonderful and it can help tell the story. And, and the, the one, sorry, you were saying you wanted to ask me a question. Well, well, I guess the question in that context is, do, do you actually write in multi-channel? Well, yes. Way. So, so a lot of the time in theatre, I'm not just being hired as a composer; I'm being hired as a sound designer. So, you sort of mix the two very in a really interesting way, and it really changed the way I've worked in film as well. And to, because you're sort of using sounds as musical, you know, making sounds out of music or making music out of sounds. And if you know you're going to be writing music for this, it's it's almost as simple as sort of writing steps. So I want this to go out of this speaker. I will make a stem of it. I'll do this. So you, you, having knowing, I guess it's quite similar to writing a computer game, not that I've ever written a computer game um, mm. in that sort of way. But I guess it's it's writing ideas. It's, you're not writing a linear piece of media that starts here and ends in three minutes. Maybe you're writing a piece that starts in a certain way. And when an actor says a certain thing or something happens on stage, you can make that as a cue. And then the next cue will come along to add uh, another layer to it. And another yeah. this, you could add some sound and you can just build up soundscapes. There's, there's a, a very clever program called QLab, which is very, um, very simple to use. It's actually free to download a, just a, the normal stereo version. So you can do it. It's, um, yeah, check it out if you're interested in, interested in getting to the theater. But it's amazing because you... You can just play audio files. You can put fades in. You can send things to here, send things to there. And it's a really, really simple system, but most most theaters use QLab. Um, and so, as a sound designer, composer, I will sit in a in a technical rehearsal or even in rehearsal room before we've gone to the theater, and I will just start putting things into this into the QLab onto laptop and play things through. Um, so no, normally, I'm quite organized. So I can. I've just I did a show at the end of last year called Orlando, which is on now in the West End. I think until the end of February and I'd sat in the rehearsal room and I wrote lots and lots and lots of music it was a very big music show and sounds and we programmed everything really there so I knew before I went into theatre where everything was going to go I designed the space so we had surrounds we had <laughs> speakers on stage I put a speaker in the roof this amazing theatre it's incredible so when you have things like rain there's a, there's a, um, a scene in Istanbul where we have sort of call to prayers and it's amazing putting this call to prayer like through a roof and in, in the theatre, sort of, it's, it's not coming out of the speakers. It's not coming behind me. It's coming, it's, and it's really amazing, kind of just to. It's, really you don't even put it in words, and I think as as an audience, like you probably most people wouldn't really notice because you're sort of you're in it. You know, if it's a theatre show's done well, mm. you're just so absorbed into the action, you don't think, "Oh, that's a nice effect." I know I do because I sit in it, you know, like like we all watch films and think, "Oh, that was a nice music cue," or oh, "I would have done something a bit different." Um, so yeah, I, I love that aspect of sound in, in theatre. Yeah, um, yeah, use sound, use music. Yeah, it's great. Fantastic. Yeah, sorry, that was a really long winded. That's, that's, no, that's fine. That's it's gold dust. Honestly, getting people who actually have a wealth of experience to explain something like that for listeners is, is wonderful. So thank you, and Ruben, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say, like theatre is a it's a bit of a mystic art. Like a lot of 
composers in recent years have sort of asked me sort of hey, how do you get into theater how do you you know it's, you just meet people I, you know i've Same the way. wonderful thing the wonderful yeah. thing about that was um, working at the national theater which is this wonderful huge big theater i was i think i was 25 14 years ago and i'm i met so many people but all the assistants to the directors all the assistants to the designers all the assistant composers we all knew each other we went and made films above a pub for no money you know we we, we learned how to do it all and now all these guys they're directing yeah. shows, they're directing films, they're directing stuff. This is kind of how I'm quite lucky in being able to do so many different things because I guess you sort of meet people along the way and you think, oh, I'll do that, I'll do this, come on, I'll have a go at that. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's wonderful. And that's what I really loved about theatre is it just got me out and meeting people but not meeting people because I'm at a networking event, I have to meet someone because I don't do that. If I was, I've ever go to one of them, I will go to the corner and I will hide in the loo and I will leave. <laughs> um... Because that's my, that's what, that is me. That's your networking um, style. <laughs> yeah. Any sort of, st- I hate, I'm terrible. I'm terrible with all that. And meeting greets as well. But yes, that, it's sort of meeting people by accident and saying, oh, you did that and it's great. Oh, should we do this? And let's, you know, let's catch up for a cup of tea and let's go for, you know, hmm. go to the pub afterwards, after the show. And like, it's, it's really amazing kind of having that little network of people to do that in, you know, in, in, and theatre was my way in to that. Yeah. Fabulous, um, fabulous. Yeah, um, going funny. over to another medium of television, Janet mm. in the Music Room group, uh, Janet Overfield. Hello, Janet. She okay. asks about uh, the series Staged with David Tennant and Michael Sheen uh, because oh, yeah. it started during the pandemic. How did the writing process differ in that situation? Because everyone was kind of trying to figure out how to do things. All a bit confused. Again, well, that sort of came about because the director, um, Siren, who was actually in it and he wrote it, we were due to do a theatre show which got cancelled and he was a bit miffed about it and instead of being like everyone else like we were like I was just kind of sort of complaining about it and going oh crap what we're going to do now he was like right I'm going to write a sitcom um on (laughs) zoom about a theatre show that got cancelled and that's how it came about so I got this call from Simon saying do you fancy just just trying this pilot so he he managed to convince David and Michael to try this pilot we all work for free just sort of just should we just just try it let's just let's see an episode see if it works this lovely editor called Dan Gage and we put it together and it was great. It was really, really good. And then very quickly, they managed to get the BBC to commission it to write, you're off. And it was then a very, very rushed, like, right, we've got to do it. We've got to get this out there because, you know, who knows when how long this pandemic's going to last. Like, we might all be out <laughs> in a week. So it was. It literally got to the point where I'd be given a cut on a Thursday night. I'd watch it and make notes and start writing. And I'd have Friday, maybe morning, and I'd get some notes back from the director and um, the editor. I'd record it live with a lovely bass tonet player called Ben Castle, who was based in Ireland. You know, it was all done on on you know email and Zoom, and so it would all be mixed by the end of the night. So I do have to do a, literally a whole episode in twenty four hours and turn it around and ready for the sound mix on the whatever it was the Friday. Was like, you know, like it literally was like no, it was no no time, but it was kind of fun and cool. And so so it was it was just the idea behind it was to make it sound like it was made in a pandemic. Like, I, I, I didn't want to have some big brush thing. Like, I wanted it to sound like, well, I've got a piano in here, so I'll have a piano, I think, a little quirky bass player. No, let's do it like yeah. it sounds that was done in my back bedroom, which it kind of was. And, and actually, you didn't really need to imagine, did you? Because you were making it in a pandemic. Well, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I, I just love the lo-fi of it. I love the silliness of it. Um, and it, it, it's been amazing how how well it's come. Like, you know, pe- so many people ask me for the score to play the piano. So I just put it up for free on Twitter. I was like, great. It's like, yeah. if you want to play it, put it, like, play it. Send me a video of you playing it. 
That's wonderful. So yeah, it, it was great. In fact, we, uh, there was an amazing video that did come through that was um, this um, amazing band of music graduates and they did a the big arrangement of it with bubble bass and clarinet <laughs> and piano and it was, about, I, it was sort of in touch with one of the guys on it and he ended, he ended up becoming my assistant. He'd been working with me for a few years. That's how it happens. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Janet. I hope that answers your question. Uh, I've got my own question because I think I was made aware of you with the BBC Two idents that mm. were... I'm sure a wonderful experiment in sound design, but what yeah. really put you onto my radar was the film, the Windermere children, um, oh, yeah. which based on the experience of child survivors of the Holocaust, at a camp set up near Lake Windermere. Yeah. And the score is suitably emotive. What was it like to write that? And how did the sound of the film come into being? Well, that was, oh, I was, that was such a beautiful film. And it was really, so the, the, the film, like it's all about these Polish refugees that came over from, Poland to the Lake District and all my grandparents were Polish refugees who they didn't go to the Lake District but they ended up in the UK after the war and that was really interesting because I my grandparents were these amazing creative people my, my granddad was a, a poet and a musician and my grandmother an amazing oil painter and they really really wrote and painted about their experiences in the war and it was so moving to to read and to see these paintings and, and to think of it in context and sort of, and the, the film was very good at making that feel a bit more real. And so I put my grandmother's paintings up and there's some really harrowing paintings that she, she made of a time around it. It's sort of half abstract, half figurative with sort of quite harrowing details that um, was like, I, I need to, I need to sort of work from this. And um, I use my granddad's instrument. Like, so that's so this accordion, they obviously you would see on a podcast, but I've got an accordion <laughs> in my room. That my granddad bought in um in Italy, I think in 1942. So so but all my grandparents were they were taken to Siberia and they were taken to Siberian labor camps, prison camps. And the only reason they were released is because uh Stalin switched sides from you know, obviously working with Hitler and invading Poland, and he switched sides to the Allies. So he said, Right, off off you go, you need to go and fight. And they made the march from Siberia to Palestine to Italy. So it, it really, really affected me thinking about their experiences and the experiences on the, on the children on the film. And I used granddad's instruments. And I, I, like I said, I, I put the paintings of my grandma around the studio. And I, I genuinely was sort of crying through writing a lot of cues. It was because it was it was a really, so yeah, it was a really emotional experience. And in, a, in a way, adding to their creativity through time. Absolutely. It's really, and it's, it's, it's made me actually write, write more. And I just recently released actually a, a piece that a, a Canadian violinist commissioned um, called Angel de Beau. I wrote a piece called Spring, which is based on a, one of the poems that my, my granddad wrote. They're all in Polish, but I thought sort of, my Polish is terrible, so I had to sort of use Google Translate and then get a family <laughs> member to sort of translate it a bit better. It was the most beautiful sort of, you know, he wrote it in Siberia when, you know, it must have been so bleak, like living through a Siberian winter in a labor camp, thinking. And, I, and I've heard his account, there's, there's, there's a recorded account of his on um, the Imperial War Museum. It's, it's really incredible. Um, and I remember talking to him about it, and we was we were really close. And he bought me my first violin when I was six. Yeah, he was he had a choir into his nineties. He was an incredible, incredible man. Wow. But no, it was, yeah. it was really wonderful. It was like a, it was it was great. Yeah. Well, with that in mind, because you're actually going back in time with your yeah. violin at six years old, uh, why don't we go back in time and uh, find out how it all began, if you're ready? Yes. Okay, so you mentioned about your grandfather buying you your first violin. Was that the first time 
that you had experienced music or was there a time before that that you can well, remember? So, so, so that, that accordion that um, I mentioned that my, my granddad bought in, in Italy in sort of like the 40s, I remember him playing it to me and sort of singing and when I, I must have been really little, I remember it sort of powering over me and now it's sort of, you know, I think, oh, that's... But I remember it being this huge thing, this huge special thing that lived upstairs and every now and again he'd play it because I sort of spend my summers with them, you know, summer holidays that was sort of my childcare. I sort of realised, you know, sort of painting and listening to music, and and that was, I guess, that was really lucky and you know, like quite unusual, I guess. But they they really did a lot in that sort of creativity and just sort of thinking, well, of course we can be creative. That's what we do. It's funny. I sort of see my kids and they, my their seven year old comes in and well, of course that's what dad does. He just does music for stuff. You know, <laughs> it's what there was, there's no question for it. There's no question that you know. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very lucky, really. Very much. So what were the circumstances of him buying you a violin then? What was oh, all that I don't, I don't know why. He, he was always sort of like, I think you, should, you need to play the violin. I thought, okay, great. I will. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I've, st- I've got it. Like It's a little sort of half-size, quarter-size little violin. My kid plays with it now. And then I ended up, it ended up not being the right violin to learn violin. I think it's too small. For, even at six, it was too small. So I ended up getting another violin. Um, and yet, just started started lessons. And did you was, enjoy was, that, or were I you doing loved it? it? Absolutely oh, loved it. It's only when it got a bit. I got a bit older. And I had to practice and I had to do that. You know, when you were eleven, twelve, thirteen, like, why do yeah. I do this? Yeah. But by then, I'd sort of discovered the piano, and I didn't really want to practice that either. But I'd sort of loved to sort of just listen to stuff off the TV and you know, try and copy stuff, try and write my own. Thing, you know, really yeah. loved the piano and discovered jazz, discovered everything, and then sort of do the piano practice twenty minutes before the piano teacher arrived. Did, um, did you transition from the violin then? Did you? Are we kind of doing them in tandem? No, I kept. I, I think I kept playing it until I was about um, fifteen, sixteen. The violin, and then I okay. took the the piano took over. But it, I, I'm obsessed with strings. If anyone's heard my music, they're probably a little bit. Yeah, realize. it comes across. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's why, and I genuinely can't play it. But I wish I could. Every time I meet people, you know, young composers who play things like violins and cellos, like just use it, use it, use it. Because I, you know, I wish. Yeah. And I have tried. I thought, you know, what if I just try a little bit and like add it, layer it? Like, no, no, it's just, it's just bad. It sounds like something. <laughs> With your piano, then you mentioned you went for lessons. Um, yes, yeah, so well, I think I started piano lessons a bit later, maybe like nine. Yeah. Nine or ten. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, and I loved it. And again, my granddad sort of had lots of instruments lying around, like mandolins and guitars and accordions and. So it's just, I just love playing things. And again, sort of string instruments is sort of what I'm kind of obsessed with. I love sort of playing. I've got lots of random string instruments as well. And that's, again, from, from that. Like, again, I've never had lessons in all these <laughs> mandolas yeah. and all the stuff with like, electric guitars. But I love just trying and pretending and playing. And, and when, when I've gone traveling, again, I'm sort of, oh, we, we're traveling with my, my wife. We sort of lived in India for four months. So, of course, I came back with a sitar. And, <laughs> <laughs> and again, can't play that toffee but i you know again it just sounds wonderful with adding some sort of thing to a yeah and if you have a basis in something strings like the violin or the guitar i've seen guitars on your wall then you've got a starting point haven't you of understanding and uh, you know piano accordion it's not too far a stretch um (laughs) except you're you're kind of pulling the piano apart and putting that together (laughs) yeah (laughs) absolutely it's all kind of the same thing isn't it and then there's this wonderful thing called melodyne which makes everything better for me (laughs) (laughs) whenever it comes to me trying to building the production secrets you know anything oh god yeah but but again i I love it like i'd rather do that than 
try and find a sample or try and find a thing. That's, that that sort of seems to be my ethos. So if I'm not doing yeah. orchestral things, I'll do everything as live as I, I can. Even if it's in my I have mics set up all the time, stuff lying around all the time. Uh, you know, I, you can see some stuff in the background, but literally in the hallway, in our in our hallway at home, <laughs> it's just full of instruments. I, every day I say to my wife, I'm really sorry, I'll clean it. I'll put it somewhere, but then we're, we, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Fantastic. So your grandparents clearly a massive influence on you early on. Yeah. Were there, you know, music teachers or other people, perhaps in school or clubs or anything like that that might have influenced you as well? Yes, I guess I get, you know, I think it's 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 having strong strong people who sort of really love doing the same thing. I remember really loving music lessons at secondary school. I think it was only when I went to college doing A levels. I went to this really wonderful college. There's there's one very famous composer alumni who went there that I knew very well. I knew of very well when I got there. Who was Hans Zimmer. So we sort of went to the same school. And when when they did a um a documentary about him recently, they interviewed our headmaster, the same guy, and he's wonderful. He's so supportive and wonderful. And I've I've gone back quite a few times to sort of talk to students and things like that. And obviously they couldn't get the, the famous guy to come in. Um, he was a bit too far. But then um. And it was not, he always asked, he always knows what I'm doing. And I, it's really wonderful. And the, the teachers there, they're really supportive, really wonderful. That's kind of really where I really learned Cubase, really learned how to get my way around a door and really work out. And that sort of gave me a love. And I ended up going, leaving there. And I went to a little liquor in Liverpool, which is Paul McCartney's old school, which he then turned into a sort of music college. And they did their music and dance and sound technology, which I did. So I sort of went and learned sound technology. And I thought, well, I, do I want to go and do music or do I want to go and do a course that sort of helps you know, understand how to record music and still do music, but then I can sort of record my own music and maybe I can make more money by having both things. Um, so that was my thought processes. So I sort of learned about technology and recording as well as the music. And, and that was really inspiring. The people on there were wonderful because it's sort of going to a university like that. Was, and Paul McCartney got literally rang up his mates and got people to come in and just give guest lectures. There's a we had an amazing guest lecture with Lynn Johns, who was the one of that the, the amazingly dressed guy on the like the Get Back documentary doing he, he recorded all the Let It Be yeah. albums. And he sort of came and listened to our material and sort of jurist diagrams how he sort of invited the stereo mic technique and um just really amazing. Like we had so many people like that come in and Paul himself of course like gave us our degrees and sort of came in and did some master classes. So it was a really incredible time sort of the, the college and the university those sort of five years of being so inspired and it, it's not about going this is how you make a guitar this is how you make a thing they sort mm. of said look these are the tools we have and look you can do this this is a compressor but it's sort of you know you need to figure out how you do this compressor how you want to make this guitar you don't just say right you put it on the 12th fret and it's done you go well look you can you can tune it this way you can you know you see how resonant it is try micing it around the back try doing this try playing it in a bathroom like we really learned all these amazing just it gave you so much creativity and that's something I do every single day now. I was going to say that it seems to be something that you've kind of put your own stamp on and use. I think as a, we both know as a modern kind of media composer, you need a re, at least a rudimentary knowledge of recording techniques and stuff like that. Mm. But to have that kind of background to bring into your work, it shows in your work. Definitely. That's really good. It was so useful. And I think once they left, the, you know, once I left Lipper, I, I went traveling for a year, you know, with, uh, went to India, places, um, bought lots of instruments. But um, when I came back, I sort of, this is what I want to do. I want to 
I want to write music. Like, but how am I going to do this? I don't know anyone. I don't. I don't have any contacts. I don't have any money. <laughs> so I ended up moving in with my then girlfriend, now wife's parents, and her granddad had an, uh, a house a couple of miles down the road. And this is in Southwark, which is north of Liverpool, nowhere near where I'm from. My mum gave, gave a, let me a bit of money to buy a, a Mac, and I had all these instruments, and I bought a mic, um, and I just learnt again. Like so, I've I'd sort of learnt how to record in a studio situation, and I learnt again how to everything how to write how to make a sound what my sound was what I wanted to say as a composer what my what did I sound like how did I record how do I so I spent I literally spent like a year year and a quarter doing that seven days a week and I was obsessed and this is the days before Twitter this is the days before you know I didn't I didn't have internet access on my computer I was in this attic it's really cold with a gas heater with a gas a color gas sort of heater but it was it was sort of my little space and I had adored that space it was my bad you know <laughs> instruments computer and I, it was just about learning my craft yeah. and it was the best year i've ever had for myself my career like learning what i do like figuring out how i do it and figuring out what plugins do and i i because i was sort of I, I went over to pro tools when i was at, at lipper and learned sort of pro tools and that's how I, I i still use pro tools now sort of I, I wanted to just figure out how i could make things sound great and then i sort of bought some I think it was the the original East West Gold Library, um, which you know, of course, there had no legato things in those days. They had nothing, like, and, um, and it was just I just spent my time obsessing. How do I make this sound real? How do I make this sound, this string sound, interesting with with adding some guitars, adding some pianos, adding what, what can I do? And I just I, I completely obsessed, and I ended up putting music on my MySpace, I think. And I got people sort of contacting me saying, oh, can you do this film? You know, you know, it, 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 yeah. I say film, it was student film yeah, yeah. stuff. So then I, I learned, you know, made all the mistakes on a student film and like I had the best time ever. I loved it. And, um, you know, no money involved. You don't even, I didn't even think about that. But it was, yeah, like I say, it was the best. And I, I know I'm saying, as I'm saying, I know I'm saying this from an immensely middle-class white male privileged uh, position to be in this because I know a lot of people don't have the opportunity to go and spend a year living yeah. on someone else's dime without having to you know after like it's it's a really really privileged position to be in, and i completely understand that and i can i i can understand why having done that why it's so difficult for people who aren't able to afford to do that to, to get in this because because mm -hmm. it, it is this kind of industry where you know you as as we all know listen to this however little or long we've all done this thing it, it, it takes so much graft to do this like no yeah. one no one comes in he goes, oh, great, you do music now. You've done it. Great, do you want to come and do this? Like it is, but that's what's kind of wonderful about it. And, um, you know, it's it's about learning and learning and learning. And, and even in my 20s, I thought, oh, I can score films now. I've been doing this for a few years. And and it's looking back now, like I, it, I there's so much I know now that I didn't know then that I, it, it, you, you're learning all the time. And I'm sure in 10 years time, I'll look back at what I'm doing now and think, oh, you were so naive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's about it's about learning all the time and, yeah. yeah but then if you go into it knowing what you're in for I, yeah. I, i'm not sure many people would actually decide to go ahead <laughs> no, I yeah, for me you, it was totally unexpected you know the amount <laughs> yeah. of graft and the amount of the, the amount you have to really dig deep and think is this really what i want you know i completely agree and and, and yeah. we all have many moments like that and i remember you know thinking that now like it really affected 
you know mental health you know when you sort of go up for jobs and you don't get them with this and it's frustrating because you then you move to london and you can't pay the rent like it, it's just so 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 hard and mm. and then you know you, you you maybe find a way out you know i'll pitch for this advert if i get this advert it'll literally pay my rent for three months <laughs> yeah. and, you, and then you don't get it and you and you just you, all you can think about is not being able to pay your rent for three months and yeah. so it's it's a really really hard thing and it, it, you can see why everyone struggles because we yeah. all struggle and it's what's really bad you sort of look at other people and you compare yourself to them and you think why wow, it all looks so easy and yeah. even sometimes i look at my own terrible website and go God, it, it looks looks quite impressive actually i mean but I, it doesn't feel like that when you do it but yeah. it, it, everything looks looks better on the on the outside and i think you need to For remember sure. that and i remember sort of being in studios and and seeing composers who were many many rungs above me and working on these incredible films and it's sort of being satisfying that they're having a really hard difficult time it's, okay great like i always imagined it'll be easy and you just be drinking coffee and getting assistance to help you know but actually it's it's not it's, it's a hard graph the whole way through and that's okay yeah, as long as we, yeah. we know that I, I think it's not about taking your eye off the ball there's never a moment you can just go yeah i'm done now just keep exactly on. and yeah. there's a massive responsibility on your shoulders isn't it you know you, you get into a position where you think yes i've got a gig yeah. i've got a commission yeah. and then you're responsible you know you you are <laughs> then yeah. the sleepless nights start because oh god you know you've got to get everything right absolutely and it's and it's not something i think i think again i i'm guilty of it i know when i was younger but i think as a when you're as a young composer you sort of you you think well i know i can do this i'm why aren't i doing this but you think about it like you're as a composer for a film you're it's the equivalent of being a ceo of a of a mm. multi-million pound project you know or you know a head of department of a, of a very yeah. very big you know you're this, this just writing music is you know in, in charge of hundreds of thousands of pounds of of budget that to go to orchestras with it takes so much experience and knowledge and no one gets given a ceo job when they're in their 20s and if they are god help you because <laughs> you know like it's about working on those smaller projects isn't it and learning and figuring it all out yeah. and, you know and, and then and as they get bigger and they get bigger and you, you know you yeah. go with it. So not to end on a, a despairing note, <laughs> I ask all of my guests to leave an item and a piece of advice in the music room for others to find. So have you got an item that you'd like to leave in the music room? So I was thinking about this and I was listening to what other people left behind. And I was thinking, so one of the most useful things is a little black book. And in that little okay. black book is people. And it's not my people. I'm not giving you a black book full of people. I'm giving you a black book for you to fill with your people. Because I think what you do is all about people. Like we sit in our little rooms on our own most of the time. Mm. And we we write, we, we want stuff to come to us, but it doesn't. You know, we have to go out and do it. And I love writing music. I love getting musicians to, to play and collaborate with. And so I have a, you know, a lovely, lovely group of people now that I sort of, like, but even at the moment, it's like ringing up people saying, "Can you put this, some cello on this? Can you do this? Can you write? You know, can you help me with this? Um, can you do some some Sibelius things on this while I'm doing it?" And directors and people, like I said, that you meet assistants when you're really young, and they end up becoming their own directors. And, it's, and I, I was sort of started when Facebook was really just in, in its infancy, from um, you know, for the for the masses like us. I remember, you know, before Twitter, and I remember sort of being recontacted with all these you know, people from May Loves and School and going, oh, you work at the BBC now. Can I ever do it? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and I, I, now we're even more connected, I guess. So it, and, and Twitter, I ended up getting some wonderful 
work and meeting wonderful people on Twitter. I guess it's just about connections and not being on your own and having a little book that reminds you of all that. It doesn't have to be a physical. It can be in your head. It can be, it can be in your no, phone. No, it's a, it's a physical black book. <laughs> and, and in <laughs> that black book, in. And, and to be fair, there's a little black book of people that are, have not been particularly pleasant or not be, you know, that, I, I've been, I've been very lucky that I've had a lot of positive experiences and, and there's been a few negative experiences, but you know, whether, whether it's people working with, whether it's a musician being a complete ass about something or it's about this or about, you know, no, no one's going to, you know, I, I, I want to try and be as fair and wonderful and, and clear, you, know, you want to be with everyone. You know, but uh, but it's, you, you want to surround people with, you be positive and it's about, yeah. about trying to figure out the way through it. Fantastic. Well, that's going in. Uh, what advice would you like to leave in the music room? Um, so I might have sort of said it before, but I think the the biggest bit of advice is not comparing. Uh, uh, there was a wonderful quote. I I don't know who said it, so I'm sorry it's not mine. But like, don't compare your beginning with someone else's middle. Like, don't look at other people and think, why am I not doing that? Why am I not doing this? Why am I? You know, like, don't think. Um, I'm young. I'm young. I need to get an agent. I need to do this. Like you need to. You like you don't. You just need to keep going and meeting people and finding avenues to write music. Whether it's above a pub, whether it's whether it's just writing some library music, whether it's pitching some adverts, whether it's doing some theatre, whether it's doing a low budget doc, um, doing a dance piece. Like I, I did it all. That's how I guess I'm so lucky to work in so many different avenues now. Is because when I was a young composer, I just wanted to meet as many people as I could. So I met choreographers. I met you know, documentary makers and theatre makers. And I just wanted to make as many connections as possible. I was very lucky. I had income by, uh, you know, doing a theatre job or getting the odd advert pitch and doing it. You, know, you sort of grab your income from other where or do other jobs. And So, yes, yeah, so that's what it, my advice, you know, it's about trying to be you and it's not trying to, you know, you, you know, of course we get we get influences from here, there and everywhere, but figure out who you are. You know? I always have this horrible analogy, which I always say to young composers, <laughs> And I, there's there's two types of composers. There's one type of composer like, oh god, we need to get someone to do some music. Like you, 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 you yeah, you, you're great, done. Well, there's yeah. other side where you go, okay, I really like what you do, and I want you to come and do this because I really love what you've done. And I think we all start in 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 the one, the first one. We all start and just I want to be a composer, but the the, the aim is sort of get onto that side. Yeah. Go, oh, people want to come to you, and the only way of doing that is by being you not trying to copy someone not trying to do this like try and just figure out your own way of, of getting through stuff alex baranovsky composer it has been a joy chatting with you Please. thanks for joining me in the music room thank you very much for asking it's a-